the bi-week blues coming up on this edition of the die hard then podcast shawnee j and i look at the lions performance in the first quarter of the nfl season then shawnee j has another odd pride profile on a lions legend and now you know covers past interference all this and more coming up on this edition of the die hard then podcast watch out here comes that roar What up, though? This is Kurt Steele, and welcome to the Die Hard Damn Podcast. And as always, I'm with my man, Shawnee J. What's happening, people? Hey, it's the bye week. We got the bye week blues. Missing the NFL from the Lions this week. But we're going to go over some stuff from the first quarter of the season, get you guys caught up on all the stats and all the pertinent information about the Lions. And then we're gonna go ahead and look at the Green Bay game, but we're gonna have our usual show, some good topics. So as always, I'm gonna start it off with, tell me something good. My man, Darius Big Play Slay was profiled in the Detroit news uh, about his community involvement. He pops up at, different events around Metro Detroit, football games, basketball games, and he is now the face of the Lions for the Chunky Soup ad campaign. He actually fed some first responders on October 3rd with the Chunky Campbell campaign with his mom. Good things, my man, big place lay out there doing big things in the community. He is proven to be one of the leaders on the team, not only on the field, in the community. So big shout out to Big Play Slay. That's my man right there. I'm happy to see Darius Slay doing good things in the community. You know, there's a stereotype about the greedy, selfish, rich pro athlete. Well, Darius Slay is living proof that they're all not greedy, rich, and selfish. And it was a shame that C.J. Anderson got cut because he was also a good guy in the community. He even got cut while he was at a charity event, which was kind of cold. But it just shows you, you know, kind of business we're dealing with here. Anyway. Yo, and... One thing I want to do is bring this up. There is an imposter on the Giants. Somebody called their rookie wide receiver. His name is uh, Slayton, his last name. They tried to call him Big Play Slay over the weekend. If you don't sit down somewhere and try to take our guy's nickname, Big Play Slay has been in the league for years. You cannot take that. They tried the same thing with Pat Mahomes, tried to call him Showtime Mahomes, and we already know we had Showtime Tate on the Lions at the time. Stop trying to jack our nicknames from the Lions. We're going to show you better than we can tell you this season. So, Giant fans, get over yourself. He is not big play slay. The only big play slay in the NFL resides in Motown. That's right. So, so now it is time to go on the ball. So what we're going to do this week, we're going to look at the offensive leaders. And the first one up is passing definitely Matthew Stafford for the season, 88 of 141, 1,122 yards, nine touchdowns, two interceptions, and a total QBR of 102.6. Stafford's having a really good season, my man. What you got to say about my man, Matthew Stafford? 
for the first part of the season. He has played well, and with the exception of a couple games, the offensive line is getting protection. That's what I want to see. Um, yes, people kept saying they want to get rid of Matthew Stafford. You see people call him a bum. People need to sit down and shut up. I mean, Stafford's tough. Like in a KC game, he showed up as a late addition to the injury report. He's supposed to get a back or a hip or whatever it was. He, they said he almost didn't play, but he toughed out and played. I hope this um, bye gave him some time to rest and heal up. Hope he's strong again. Matthew Stafford, where he played, won 132 straight games or something like that. He's become an Iron Man after injuries his first two seasons. He's played hurt. He's played with several injuries. I mean, people in Detroit don't appreciate what they having a man. And, and like I said, I've told people many times, if the Lions did give, trade him away to like a Dallas or, or New England or somewhere like that, he won the Super Bowl, the Lions fans be crying again like they have a habit of doing. So enjoy what you have, Detroit, because he won't be around forever. So enjoy it. All right. For our rushing leader, it's my man, Carryon Johnson. 74 attempts for 251 yards, 3.4 yards per carry, and one touchdown. The last game really bumped up his average and his actual total yards, where half of his yards came in the last game versus the Chiefs, but he's proven to be a three-down back. I think he's on his way to really becoming the workhorse of the offense. So what do you got to say about my man, Carryon Johnson? I like Kerrigan, but like I said, we saw that Chiefs game. He coughed up the ball, being careless and reckless. He got to protect the ball better if he's want, if he want to be a three-down guy and a goal-line guy and a short yardage guy and all-around back. He has to protect that rock, protect the football. That's his bread and butter. That's his meal ticket right mm-hmm. there. But like I said, I think he can become a great player like we all envision being. He's got to stay healthy and protect the football. Yeah, I think that was a flute play in itself. I think he was trying to stretch for more yards. I like the aggressiveness, but like you said, he he should be more careful with the ball down on the goal line. And the receiving duo of Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, I'm going to profile those two guys just because of the fact that one leads in yards and the other leads in touchdowns. Where you have uh, Marvin Jones has 18 receptions for 277 yards. Uh, 15.4 yards per catch average and a touchdown. And Kenny Galladay, 19 receptions, 244 yards, 12.8 yards per catch. But he leads with four touchdowns. A pretty good duo. Uh, If we keep the other guys healthy with Danny Amendola and TJ Hawkinson, we're already proven to have a very potent passing offense. And it's running out to be a good, solid running game as well. I forgot to mention this last podcast. Matthew Stafford had one less pass than we had rushes. I think we had 35 rushes for the game and only 34 passes. I think Darrell Bevel was doing a good job of bringing the balance to the offense. So what do you got for the receivers, my man? I like our receivers. They may not be the biggest name, household names, but they'll be there one day. Marvin Jones, to me, is early, but quietly he's having his best year. You know, his good start, hot start. He's made some tough catches. He has great speed. I love Kenny Galladay. I love that. That what should have been the winning TD against um, Kansas City when he caught it in the sideline. He dragged the foot in the toe tap. That was where he had to concentrate because he had a, a defensive back all over him. Plus, he had to get two feet down and control the ball. So that took a lot of concentration. 
administration that was very Calvin Johnson, Herman Moore-like. So I think mm-hmm. he's going to be the next great receiver in Lion history. And he was not a first-round draft pick. He was a third-round pick. So yeah. I still think he has the size and the tools to make it happen. Like I said, um, he has to get out of the habit of throwing the ball away. <laughs> I don't know if there's a touchdown. It makes me nervous. Hold on to the ball. And at least a five count after the catch it. And you see the restart, uh, official give you the signal. Then throw it in the stands all you want. I don't care. You got to pay a fine for that, but you can afford it. Yeah. If we look at the offense itself, we're averaging a 24.3 points per game. Total rushing yards is 402 yards. Of course, we already have the 1,102 yards. 22 yards from Matthew Stafford for the passing. Here's the problem area that I see is that we have to do better on third down. Our third down percentage for this season is only 38% on third downs. That has to improve if we want to contend for the playoffs going forward. What do you think about that, my man? I agree. They need to do better on third down offense conversion. Hopefully that was something that they worked on over the bye to improve their third down efficiency. You know, hopefully worked over, you know, on the bye with that. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, we're going to, that wraps up the offense. Uh, looking ahead, what do you think the outlook is for the rest of the season for the offense, my man? What do you think or what do you foresee the offense being going forward? Well, first of all, we, you know, is I want them to be healthy. They stay healthy. I think they'd be very efficient. Daryl Bevel, um, like you said, he has run a balanced offense. He made a mistake the first game of the season when he called a timeout. He asked Patricia to call a timeout, and we could have had a first down, a touchdown. That was miscommunication. That loss was on the – or that tie, excuse me, was on the coaches, coaching staff. And um, T, I love TJ Hawkinson. I, I said it in the group already. I think he's a better tight end. Eric Ebron and Pettigrew, Brandon Pettigrew combined. We <laughs> saw Pettigrew, excuse me, Ebron's going back to his old habit of dropping passes. So yeah, he after all pro season last year. But I, I want to see, you know, TJ, you notice how he catches the ball off his hands. He doesn't right. let it hit his body at all. He, catch, he catches with his hands. Mm-hmm. And I like that. But, young man, keep your feet on the ground. Don't be acting mm-hmm. like he's Carl Lewis in, a, in, a, in the hurdles in the Olympics. <laughs> run the guy over. You know, use your 250-pound yeah. frame to run the guy over or, or juke him, but don't try to out-jump him. I mean, mm-hmm. that's been taking place in college football, high school football, and NFL. But, you know, yeah. as you know who started that trend, I think, or maybe not, but made it popular? Remember the running back Sam McGuffey, who played one year at the Wolverines and finished up at Rice? In high school, he was known for jumping over people. Is that his highlight? Oh, yeah. So that's, and, that's one thing. I think it was funny this weekend, there was a Bills player that tried that, and he got stuff. He started his jump short to, closer to the player and the player just hit him in the midsection and tackled him. It was it was like a blooper show. It was like, dude, what are you doing? Why are you trying to jump? Why are you trying to jump over me? Just yeah. you know, just keep running and you know, just get tackled. People are someone's gonna get hurt. You know that on the lower levels, I think in in high school football that has been banned. You cannot jump over a player and they're talking about bringing that up to the NCAA level and you look before long if someone gets seriously injured injured you're going to look at bringing that to the NFL as well. Uh, uh, what happened to TJ? He got pretty dinged up on that play. Yeah. So I mean, somebody's going to get seriously injured. Like someone's going to probably, you know, be talking about, you know, uh, vertebrae snapping their neck or, uh, you know, something serious, you know, where they're going to have to get really get really injured, where they're going to, you know, end their career trying to jump over someone. And that's going to be the linchpin of, of saying, hey, you know, no more jumping over defenders, you know, keep yourself on the ground for safety measures. You're going to open 
example of Pandora's box, if you say you can't leap over the finish anymore, yeah, or you like like a Walter Payton type leap over the goal for a goal line no, touchdown. No, anything like that, there's going to be some kind of caveats to it. You know, exceptions where situations where it's going to be accept- acceptable, and certain things is there's going to be not acceptable. So you just get the situational football where, you know, if you're out in the open field, down the goal line is a little bit different. But, you know, we'll see. But that's neither here nor there. That's not a rule now. I'm just looking at what could potentially happen if someone gets seriously injured trying to jump over defender during a play. Let's move on to the defense. Let's go ahead and defend the den. So looking at our defensive leaders. So our tackles leader is Tracy Walker. So I know you've had some harsh words from a man, Tracy Walker. You say you want him to be this um, uh, shut down safety. But the kid's having a solid year. First year he's starting, you know, was that wrong? What built in a day? So you can't expect him to come in, you know, and be an all-pro safety right off the bat. Uh, his first year starting, I mean, he's not Sean Taylor. That's that's a one-in-a-lifetime type of player to come in out of college and just be that guy starting day one, you know, and he's changing the league. But I think he's having a solid season. What do you think? What do you say, my man? I like them. You know, he's once again, just like Ty Vey was a surprise pick in the draft this year. Walker was a surprise pick in the third round last year. I'm mm-hmm. nobody heard of this guy. They thought it was a reach taking him that high. Somehow going as a third day draft pick, like in the fourth round at the at best. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand last year he had a great um pro day and a great sign, mm-hmm. which raised his stock. He has some tangibles, he has long arms, he has good size, he's six mm-hmm. foot long arms. Um, like I I still maybe I'm being too hard on the guy on the kid. He's playing well. I just like to see him making a big place. He got a pick in the first game of the season. Mm-hmm. I want to say, you know, sh- you know, shut it down, shut down the middle of the field, the safety valve. The no fly zone. You make more pace. And like I said, shut down the top receivers. Like Larry Fitzgerald beat him a couple of times, but he did get a stick. Nice stick on Fitzgerald from behind. Perfectly legal. It caused Fitzgerald to drop the ball. So I want to see more of that. Those I want to see more big plays out of him. Not just right. tackling after he makes a 20 yard reception for a first down or something. I want right. to see of plays, you know, big plays. I don't see that all the guys. We'll talk about in a minute two guys that really like two free agent pickups for mm-hmm. this area. I really like. All right. So looking at the interceptions, we got Slay and Walker both tied at one. Now we're creating a lot of turnovers. We're creating a lot of fumbles. Yes. But just not a lot of interceptions. But um, I think we can improve on that in the second part of the excuse me, the next 12 weeks. I mean, that's the only thing about having an early buy. You got 12 straight weeks of football. So that's going to be definitely a joy to watch, but it's going to be a grind for the players, so hopefully we can keep them healthy. So, moving on, sacks and tackles for loss. You got uh, Devon Kennard leading both with three sacks and four tackles for loss. Devon Kennard is a quietly good season, so people aren't really taking a notice of him, but he's having a sneaky good season so far. Yes, he is. I agree with that. Oh. One thing I hate, we discussed this already. Mm-hmm. I hate that passing downs. The Lions only rush three guys. You right. know, they don't put on quarterback. I, you know, I told you before, I love the slam dunk in mm-hmm. basketball. I love the home run in baseball. I love the quarterback football. I mean, like I said, we let Mahomes back there, stand back there and pick us apart. You know, I want to see pressure. I like to I want to blitz a linebacker, bring a linebacker, mm-hmm. rush for guys. I mean, just rushing three guys, that makes it too easy on the quarterback. I want to mm-hmm. see him get Really, I'm really clobber the guys. So mm-hmm. quarterback sack. Yeah, 
And even though the Patricia and Pasquale defend their scheme, I, I, I like to be more aggressive and go the, go for the quarterback's head. You know, legally, of course, you can't break touch your quarterback anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, except for Matthew Stafford, he gets clobbered, he gets hit late, but he don't get the call, same calls. As a time right. great quarterback in his league, but mm-hmm. I express, but I still want the defense to be a little more aggressive after going after the quarterback. Right. I feel you on that one, my man. All right. So, running out the defense, we got forced fumbles and fumble recoveries. Forced fumbles, we got Jamal Agnew and Reeves Maven with two forced fumbles apiece. And we have Ashawn Robertson with two recoveries of those fumbles. So, what do you think about the, the turnovers? I like the fact that, you know, we're turning the ball over. It may not be interceptions, but we're making the other team cough the ball up. So, I'm liking that play from Reeves Maven and Agnew. Coleman last game with a nice uh, punch out uh, against Sammy Watkins. So what do you think about the uh, those uh, turnovers, my man? I love them. I mean, we make them for lack of interceptions with the fumbles and mm-hmm. uh, forced fumbles. You know, they've been taught mm-hmm. to push the ball out. I like that aggressive. Mm-hmm. I still want to go for the quarterback mm-hmm. more, but I still like the fact that we, you know, been taught and been successful at punching the ball out and making strip mm-hmm. against fumble recoveries, which makes mm-hmm. it the picks. And I want to see Trisha and Pasquale bring the heat on the quarterback, not just rushing, passively rushing three guys. I want to see him bring the heat. So that rounds out the defense. Now it's time to go to two points conversing. Now we're going to do some comprehensive breakdown of the season, and we're going to pick out our top plays, top performances, and MVPs for the season. So for my offense performance, the rookie TJ Hawkinson is my favorite performance. He had six catches for 131 yards and one touchdown in the opening game versus the Arizona Cardinals. So what do you think about that performance, my man? I love it. That was the best, you know, he came out the gate, showed Detroit why they picked him with the eighth pick in the NFL draft last spring. A lot of people, myself included, kind of moaned and groaned at the pick. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's a pass rusher. I want or office alignment mm-hmm. um, Stafford, but we took a tight end. And, you know, after our experience with both Brandon Pettigrew and, and Eric Ebron in the last 10 years, you know, it's understandable why Lion fans kind of grown at the pick. But TJ showed that he's a more accomplished player. He just needs to use his head. No, don't take no unnecessary risks. Like trying mm-hmm. to talk guy, you see what happened. I'm glad. Hopefully he'll be able to play this Monday night in Green Bay. All right. So the top defense performance for myself and I mean, this is for the show, uh, it's Justin Coleman, last game versus the Chiefs. Even though in the loss, he had four tackles, two pass defense, and a forced fumble and a fumble recovery. Justin Coleman is showing out. He's one of the top corners in the league right now. But that performance he had last game, not only was tackling, he played coverage and caused turnovers. So what do you think about my man Justin Coleman versus the Chiefs? Yes, he played an excellent game. He even broke up a short touchdown against Sammy Watkins. Watkins had it, but Coleman mm-hmm. backed the ball out again for him to make it incomplete and forced KC to kick a field goal. I love it. Like I was going to say both he, um, Coleman, and and Rashawn Melvin or two pickups for the Lions this offseason. Not, right. I mean, maybe not the big household names. It was not the Patrick Peterson type, but you see mm-hmm. what he was taking, you know, PEDs, which helped make mm-hmm. him what he was, is. And um, mm-hmm. I really like him, Coleman and Melvin, two unsung heroes this early season. Mm-hmm. And I keep going back to that article written by Kent Plant. 
Um, the Lions have one of the fastest, if not fastest, secondary in the leagues, and it's showing. But to help them out, the Lions don't, you know, because the receivers got speed too. So mm-hmm. you stop by, you know, putting more pressure on the quarterback, just let them sit back and and pick you apart. Right. The special team performance so far has to be Yo Man versus the Eagles. A 100-yard kick return for a touchdown for Jamal Agnew. And really what makes it so special is that he was having some issues in the week prior versus the Chargers. He got benched for Danny Amendola, and I think it was uh, McKissick. And he came back, and Patricia and, uh, excuse me, Matthew Stafford sat down and really had a talk with him and really gave him some confidence and said, hey, you know, going to be all right, just going through some things. And they put their trust in him, put him back out there, and he went ahead and did that. So big shout out to him. He's my special teamer right now of the team for that performance versus the uh, Philadelphia Eagles with that 100-yard kick return for the touchdown. I think it's still the only kick return for a touchdown in the NFL this season. Yes, was he he named um, special teams player of the week that week? No, he did not. It was a punter from New England. I mean, excuse me, I'm sorry, New Orleans was the the, um, special teams player of the week. Yeah, right. New Orleans Orleans punter got that. Yeah, I don't know what that was. I'm going to go ahead and read the, um, the top five plays for the Lions season so far. According to DetroitLions.com, in week one, we have the touchdown by TJ Hawkinson from Matthew Stafford. It was a good play. Matthew Stafford was on the run toward the sideline, threw across his body. TJ Hawkinson made a hell of a catch in the end zone. Really high point in the ball. It was just a good play all around. I agree. Okay. The next play was the week two Kenny Galladay touchdown versus the Chargers, the winning touchdown. And that's the one where you didn't like it where he threw the ball straight up in the air after he caught the touchdown it was kind of quick but the touchdown still did count and it was a hell of a catch good laser throw by Matthew Stafford. I like that, but also it could have been um, the big play slays in a session to save the day. Uh, Yeah, that's down the line. Okay, uh, the next one was week three was Jamal Agnew's 100-yard kick return against Philadelphia. Um, We already talked about that one. The next one was, the last one, the fifth play was Darius Slay's interception for a touchdown against the Chargers in the end zone to seal that win versus the Chargers. So that's according to DetroitLions.com. My honorable mention was the touchdown from Matthew Stafford to Kenny Galladay with four defenders around him versus the Chiefs. There's not a lot of quarterbacks that can make that play. To have that arm talent and to have the wherewithal to throw that pass. Matthew Stafford saw that the linebacker was out of position and he was the only player that was able to make a play on the ball. So when he turned his body the wrong way, Matthew Stafford earholed him and threw the ball right past his helmet. So by the time he realized the ball was in the air and he put his hands up, the ball was already passed. That was an outstanding throw, and it was an elite throw from what I feel to be an elite quarterback. Yeah, Detroit fans better appreciate what they have. You know, um, people won't give us Stafford come a bum to have a seat and shut the, shut the hell up. <laughs> Yeah. Now let's look at our offensive and defensive MVPs for the first quarter of the season. And I think we're in agreement. We both picked Matthew Stafford for offensive MVP. And I think we're in agreement. You have one other person. I have Justin Coleman, and who do you have, my man? I think Coleman should share the honors with with um Rashawn Melvin. You know, Melvin doesn't have a pick, but he's he's made several um passes, defense nicely. 
the ball. He wants to gain a tall, speedy receiver with long arms who's hired to throw over. Once again, uh, we got to give Bob Quinn some credit. He didn't necessarily go after the big names like the, once again, on the free agency. He went after the players who have fit the skill set, the long, the long players with length and speed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm surprised Rashad Melvin's been with, what, seven different teams in his career? Um, yeah. That's a surprise. Um, hopefully, he can finish his career by playing a few more seasons with the Detroit Lions. Right. Um, another player that's having a really quiet season, but he's running in the form right now, is Trey Flowers. His last couple of games has some really solid games, both um, playing on the, on the line, you know, making some tackles on the line, and then making some pressures on the quarterback. He did not get to Mahomes, but he did flush him out of the pocket a few times. So Trey Flowers is running in the form. So I'm excited to see what he does for the rest of the season. I am too. Remember, I call him once again. He was the number one free agent on the market. The Lions got him. I call him, uh, the, I call him the poor man's Reggie White. I mean, cause remember, uh, you know, the first year of free agency, Reggie White was the number one free agent at the time. And with the Lions, almost Wayne Fonts almost used his charm to get him to sign with the Lions, but he ultimately he came with the, the Green Bay Quackers. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I would have uh, loved to see uh, the Minister of Defense in the Honolulu Blue and Silver. So, that wraps up two points conversing this week. And when we get back from the break, we'll have another Opride profile on an outstanding Lions player and a current Lions announcer. back from the break. So, Shawnee J, who you got for this week's Our Pride Profile? This week, I'm on a profile who I think is one of the best offensive linemen in Lions history, if not NFL history. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Hopefully, he'll be there one day soon. He is one other, none other, Mr. Lomas Brown. Lomas Brown was born in Miami, Florida on March 30th, 1963. He was a uh, all-American left tackle for the Florida Gators, and he was the Lions' number one draft pick, drafted seventh seven overall in the 1985 NFL Draft. Lomas started for the Lions right away. After a brief two-week holdout, got the starting job and never looked back. Um, he played 11 seasons with the Detroit Lions from 1985 to 1995. He made four Pro Bowls with the Lions. He's, you know, one of the best left tackles of his era. I think he's a definite Hall of Famer, but one mistake, Lomas made, you know, that he'll be on him was when he made that playoff win guarantee against the Philadelphia Eagles in the 1995 wildcard game in Philly, no doubt. We got a bus kick in that game, 58-37. That's why when, you know, I haven't forgot about that game either. It still hurts. That's why I love it when we finally beat the Eagles three straight times, including this season. It takes the pain away every time we beat the Eagles. <laughs> After that playoff loss, he can he played several more seasons in the NFL. After that loss, he went. He signed with the Arizona Cardinals in 1996 and played with them through 98. Then he, in 1999, he went to the the newly reborn Cleveland Browns. 
and he started left tackle for them. In 2000, 2001, he played for the New York Giants. He started left tackle. He played in his first Super Bowl with the Giants, where he lost to the Baltimore Ravens. And in 2002, his last year in the league, he spent it with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he picked up a Super Bowl ring. So in his career, on a good note, at the age of 39, he played for 18 seasons. Most of them, all but one, was as a starter. I definitely think Lomas should be in the Hall of Fame. He's one of my favorite all-time Lions. And as you mentioned, for the past two seasons, he's been working as the Lions color guy on radio of Dan Miller. So once again, I think Lomas should be in the Hall of Fame. What do you think, my man? Oh, yeah, definitely. Lomas Brown should be in the Hall of Fame. And not only is he doing the uh, the play-by-play on the radio call, but he also does the Lions podcast with Tory Petri on DetroitLions.com. So he does the one podcast with Tory Petri, and they get on my nerves because they both Florida Gators, and they always talk about the Gators all the time on their podcast. But they make a good team. I love the fact that he's still involved as a uh, alumni for the Lions, and he is definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Good luck to him in the upcoming vote for the Hall of Fame. I think he will get in in the Veterans Committee here in the upcoming few years. Now it is time to go to Now You Know. And this week, we're going to talk about what has been not called in the NFL a lot this season, even though they put it in the NFL review system, and that's pass interference. So sit back and enjoy Now You Know. Now You Know is brought to you by Foster Camera Solutions. For your home or business security needs, call Dan at Foster Camera Solutions for a free estimate at 248-672-8640. With no monthly fees and self-monitoring from your smartphone, computer, or tablet, let Foster Camera Solutions design a security camera system that fits your needs. You can also visit their Facebook page for more information at facebook.com slash foster camera solutions. Remember, foster camera solutions when securing your home or business. What up, though? This is Kurt Steele, and welcome to this week's edition of Now You Know. This week, we're going to cover pass interference. The NFL has let pass interference become a reviewable play and challengeable by coaches. However, there seems to be some confusion of what pass interference is because there's very few calls overturned by coaches' challenges or reviews from the booth. So we're going to read this rule, break it down, and hopefully someone from the league office can hear this because there have been uh, individuals in the booth, fans in the stands, fans watching at home that sees these plays and think it's obvious pass interference, but the league views it otherwise. So let's get into it, hop on these rules, and then we'll break them down for you. And hopefully you can understand the rules better when you're watching the game on Sunday. So Section 5, Article 1, Pass Interference. By definition, it is pass interference by either team when any act by a player more than one yard beyond the line of scrimmage significantly hinders an eligible player's opportunity to catch the ball. Pass interference can only occur when a forward pass is thrown from behind the line of scrimmage, regardless of whether the pass is legal or illegal 
or whether it crosses the line. Defensive pass interference rules apply from the time the ball is thrown until the ball is touched. Offensive pass interference rules apply from the time the ball is snapped until the ball is touched. For defensive PI, it has to be after the ball is thrown. For offensive PI, the rules apply as soon as the play starts. Article 2. Prohibited acts by both teams while the ball is in the air. Acts that are pass interference include, but are not limited to, contact by a player who is not playing the ball that restricts the opponent's ability to make the catch. Basically, that means you grabbing, holding, whatever it is, and an opponent, offensive or defensive, if it restricts that person's ability to make the catch, it is pass interference. Playing through the back of an opponent in an attempt to make a play on the ball. If a person's in front of you can't run through the back of them to say, hey, I'm just trying, I was trying to make a catch. I was trying to intercept the ball or doesn't matter. You can't run through the back of someone else. Grabbing an opponent's arm or arms in such a manner that it restricts the opportunity to make the catch. That's pretty self-explanatory. You can't grab the opponent's arms to prevent them from making a catch. Extending the arm across the body of an opponent thus restricting his ability to catch a pass. And regardless of whether the player is committing such an act is playing the ball. Can't arm bar. Doesn't matter that you are playing the ball or not. Can't put your arm across the person trying to make a play on the ball. It's pass interference. Cutting off the path of an opponent by making contact with him without playing the ball. Okay. Can't run across the face of an opponent. Say, hey, oh, I was just run. I was just running this way. If you run across the persons and you make contact with them, it's pass interference. Hooking an opponent in an attempt to get the ball in such a manner that it causes an opponent's body to turn prior to the ball arriving, or initiating contact with an opponent by shoving or pushing off, thus creating separation. Okay, can't spin a person around or. This is a really big one for usually the offense that one push off, shoving them off to get the room to make the catch is pass interference. Uh, we saw this Lions fans at the end of the Eagles game where Darren Sproles pushed off to make a catch. Can't do that. That's pass interference. Now, here's where the league has really made their claim to say, hey, a lot of these plays are just incidental contact. If there's any question whether the player contact is incidental, the ruling should be no pass interference. <laughs> Seems like a lot of incidental contact going around on some of these plays that are challenges or booth reviews. Let's move on. Article three, permissible acts by both teams while the ball is in the air. Now, this is what you can do while the ball is in the air. Acts that are permissible by a player include but are not limited to Incidental contact by an opponent's hands, arms, or body when both players are competing for the ball or neither player is looking for the ball. If there is any question whether the contact is incidental, the ruling should be no interference. Inadverted tangling of the feet when both players are playing the ball or neither player is playing the ball. So basically, if the wide receiver and a defensive back 
Their feet get tangled. They trip each other. It's incidental contact. It's just an accident. It just happens. There's no pass interference. Contact that would normally be considered pass interference, but the pass is clearly uncatchable by the involved players. Now, we see that a lot. The referee will kind of wave his hand back and forth from the front to the back over his head. That signals the ball was way too far for the either player to catch. It's not pass interference. Laying a hand on an opponent that does not restrict him in an attempt to make a play on the ball. Now, you see a lot of defensive backs do this or even wide receivers they want to just feel where the other player is. And as long as it's not hindering their person's ability to catch the ball, it's not pass interference. You're just trying to get a feel of where your opponent is before you make a play on the ball. Contact by a player who has game position on an opponent in an attempt to catch the ball. It is not pass interference. So you got to step on a guy and you kind of make a jump to make the catch. As long as you're not hindering his ability to catch the pass, or break it up, it's not pass interference. Here's some quick notes on other offenses. When the ball is in the air, eligible offensive and defensive receivers have the same right to the path of the ball and are subject to the same restrictions. So it doesn't matter if you're the offensive player or the defensive player, you have the same right to the path of the ball. And if anyone hinders that path of the ball, it's pass interference. Acts that do not occur more than one yard beyond the line of scrimmage are not passing interference and should be considered offensive or defensive holding. If you are doing that, you grabbing somebody at the line of scrimmage, you trying to break up a pass that's not one yard beyond the line of scrimmage is holding and not passing interference. Whenever a team presents an apparent punting formation until the ball is kicked, Defensive acts that normally constitute passing interference are permitted against the end man on the line of scrimmage or against an eligible receiver behind the line of scrimmage who is aligned or in motion more than one yard outside the end man of the line, provided the acts do not constitute illegal holding. All right. So basically, if the per- the team is punting the ball and it's the person's outside the end person on the line of scrimmage, so usually the it will be a tackle for offensive play, but for a punt formation, is the line's a little bit wider extended to protect the punter. So as long as those individuals, so those gunners on the outside, they're subject to get hit. Those acts that would normally be passing interference are not passing interference at all. Now, defensive holding, such as tackling a receiver, can still be called and result in a five-yard penalty from the previous spot if accepted. In that case, the offensive pass interference rule can still apply. So it all depends on the play. If there's a trick play, then they can call pass interference. Now, one thing, if a ball is tipped when the pass is thrown, there is no pass interference. Article 4, other prohibited acts by the offense. Blocking more than one yard beyond the line of scrimmage by offensive player prior to a pass being thrown to the offense is pass interference. No, it is also pass interference to block a defender beyond the line while the ball is in the air. If a block occurs in the vicinity of a player whom the pass is thrown, it is pass interference. 
So basically, if there's a if someone's out there blocking and the pass is being thrown to a person that's down the field and a person's already blocking the defender, that's offensive pass interference. The penalty for pass interference by the defense is a first down for the offense at the spot of the foul. If the interference is also a personal foul, a 15-yard penalty is tacked on to such a foul is also enforced. So basically, if you get pass interference, it's the first down at the spot of the foul. And if you commit a personal foul, 15 yards is added on to the end of that. If the interference is beyond the goal line, the offensive team is a first down on the one-yard line. If the previous spot is inside the two-yard line, then halfway between the previous spot and the goal line. So for offensive pass interference, it's a loss of 10 yards from the previous spot. So there you go. Pass interference. If you don't know, now you know, like my man Biggie Smalls, baby, baby. Now let's get back to the diehard den with my man, Shawnee J. All right, we're back from now, you know. Now it is time to preview the Lions-Packers Monday night football game coming up here in about six days. So let's look at the stats. The Lions have a point-per-game average of 24.3, where Green Bay has a point-per-game average of 23.8. Now, here is the big thing. The Lions give up 23.8, but Green Bay only gives up 18.6. So looking at that matchup from the offense and defense, what do you think, my man? Well, numbers don't tell the whole story. Sometimes, you know, they lie or are misleading. I think, you know, like you said, Green Bay's hurting even though they won Dallas. If the Lions can exploit their those um missing players, and if we're on, we got some key players back, like Stafford's on his game, and TJ Hawkins back from his injury, he can play. Um, I think a chance of winning for the third straight year in Green Bay and, and a place where we hadn't won in 24 years. So I want to keep the Green Bay going. Right. Looking at that game, I think that Green Bay has some definitely injuries. They're really young in the secondary. I think Matthew Stafford, if he stays clean in the pocket, I think he can manipulate that young secondary and they have some big uh, passing plays. Marvin Jones has really ate up the Packers secondary for the past couple seasons. So I really see him having a big day against the, uh, the Packers. Now the Lions go into the game as right now as four and a half point underdog so but let's get to the score prediction so what you got for your score and who do you have winning in green bay on monday night you know i got sick of my lions my boys i think they're gonna win 31 21 Okay. I have the Lions winning also. I have them winning a little bit closer game. I have them winning 31 to 24. And those are our game picks. We'll check back next week to see what we got in store for those game picks, how accurate they have been. Now, not to toot my own horn, but as far as uh, the second and third weeks of the season, I've been within one point of the point total. So, and ironically, last week it was in a loss, but I did pick that game correctly. So hopefully I'm picking this one right. 31-24 Lions and a big Monday 
night football victory for the Honolulu Blue and Silver. I go so now it's time for us to go ahead and get on out of here. So my man, tell the people how they can find you on social media. <laughs> Uh, yeah, always, you can find me on Facebook, Sean Jennings. I'm the main administrator for the Detroit Lions Truest Fan Group on Facebook. If you want to join, I'll keep you. I'll be happy to add you. And I, as I keep our group well informed about the Lions. All right, my man. I am at Curtis Steel 14 on Instagram and on Twitter. So that's at C U R T I S. S-T-E-E-L-E-1-4. You can also follow the show on Twitter at DieHardDenPodSee1. Email us any questions that you have at DieHardDenPodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we appreciate you listening in, supporting the show. Big shout out to my man, Dan Foster over at Foster Camera Solutions. Go out and check out his Facebook page called the Detroit Lions showcase. Big shout out to all my people over at the Die Hard Facebook group over there. I'm a conversation starter over there. I'm also in the Detroit Lions Twist fans group. I'm a conversation starter over there. And we get this thing going. Come back next week when we go over the Lions victory. I'm calling it out right now versus the Green Bay Packers. So as always, this is Kurt Steele. And for my man, Shawnee J, we are out. <laughs>